Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Uh, welcome to podcast like it's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liscove. And with us today is Celine Geiger, a TV writer who was on The Bold Type, Vampire Diaries, is currently on Nancy Drew. And we are going to talk about the two first sort of two-part episode that Felicity ever did. I, I'm not sure if they ever did another two-parter now that I think about it, but they might have. Um, but we're going to do a two-parter entitled Todd Mulcahy. Um, but before we get to that episode, uh, I wanted to talk to you about Felicity in general and why you love the show, or if you still love the show. I matter. do still love the show. Before I watched, I watched Todd to remind myself, but then I also watched the pilot and I watched sure. the finale of the season. It's uh-huh. just like... I don't know, man. It's just, it holds up. It feels like a warm blanket. Like, you know, like that, like, I just, I was in high school when Felicity came on. It, as I told you, it premiered on my 16th birthday, which I feel like is fate. Um, and there's something about just like the coziness of the sweaters and the music. And it's like a, it's like a sense memory. It like takes you back. Um, but it is like, I mean, I have a copy of uh, the Felicity Pilot, like a hardbound copy, because it's just oh, beautiful really? writing. It's a really, really well-written pilot, just like structurally and emotionally. Um, and it was kind of like my Bible when I was first figuring out how to be a screenwriter. I was just reading pilots. Um, and that's one that I just was kind of blown away by. Um, there's like a piece in the script where for the pilot script when Felicity is getting her photo taken mm-hmm. uh, and the way that it's written is um, 
It's, it's like the, it's like the photographer snaps the photo. Uh, and that's the image that Felicity will carry around with her for four years of the moment that her heart was broken. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, but like, I, I didn't know that you could put that in a script until I read it. You know, yeah. I was just like, Oh, scripts are dialogue. I don't know what I'm doing. I never took a screenwriting yeah. class. Um, so for a lot of reasons, Felicity is special to me. Um, just because it, carried a high school into college with me. And I remember like meeting up with my friends in dorm rooms, like watching the <laughs> episodes together. And like, I remember where I was when I watched the season, the series finale, like, I don't know. It was just like, I was like kind of, and I mean, I wasn't going to school in New York. I was, I, I was in upstate New York. I wasn't in the city, but like I w- was kind of going through some, you know, college-ish at the same time she was. So, uh, it does feel like a show that if it hits you at the right time, it just, it, it imprints you in a weird way. I think a lot of shows that are coming of age shows, if you're coming of age while watching it, it sort of has this, this, uh, indelible mark that it leaves on you. Yeah. Um, I had a similar feeling with this show. And it felt grounded in a way. Like I was never a Buffy person. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. I just, it never spoke to me in a way. I think because there was like a, otherworldly supernatural thing mm-hmm. element of Buffy that like when I was younger, I just wasn't tapped into. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that interested in it. And like, I loved Dawson's Creek too, but you know, it was hyperverbal and like a little bit ridiculous. And so like Felicity felt real in a way that I think that some of the yeah. other stuff that was coming out didn't necessarily feel. I totally agree. I think there's also the fact that the show is grounded and yet also takes sort of preposterous swings like the, the the conceit of the show for all intents and purposes is a somewhat ridiculous one that a girl would fall for a guy because he wrote something in her in her yearbook and, and change her entire life because of it but because of to your point that sort of that earnestness that groundedness and and tremendous casting and filmmaking the whole thing kind of works and if those pieces weren't all clicking i don't think this show works no yeah if so. yeah you you have to <laughs> You have to believe that Felicity has a grounded head on her shoulders, or else, yeah, she seems like a weird stalker, like a like a lunatic. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's like the scene in the pilot, which which um, you just rewatched, when she, I guess you would say, confronts Ben at the end. It says, "You made me fall in love with yeah, you." Yeah, dude, that's that's my Instagram bio. Is you made me fall in love with you? Is, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> It's just so ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing to say to somebody that you don't know, but I love it so much. It's it's evocative. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 it's, I love it too, and I think I love it because um, on some level, it's something we wish we could say. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. show lives in a place of being like, I could never say that to another human being, but Felicity somehow is just grounded enough that she can say something like that, and you're like, well... That's not totally crazy, but it is kind of crazy. And this actually brings me to something that um, that I, we'll talk about throughout the course of, of these two episodes. But there's a moment in this episode where she talks to Ben about how she used to – how obviously she was yeah. kind of a quote-unquote stalker. And the moment when she said – when Ben says to her, wait, you're stalking somebody else now? Who? <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, the show at least acknowledges – how sort of wide-eyed and innocent and naive she is. And I think that makes it work too. Mm-hmm. But um, So, okay, let's, I'm just going to give a brief, brief synopsis of, of these two episodes that we're going to talk about today. Uh, 
the first one, part one, when a boy uh, that Felicity knew when she was 12 years old comes to town to act on feelings that he has for her, she consults someone familiar with stalkers, Ben. Uh, she also applies for a seminar with a geneticist named Dr. McGrath, played by uh, Chris Sarandon. The second episode, Todd gets hit by a bus and he arrives at the hospital. He gives Felicity a note she wrote years ago about being an artist. Todd almost dies, which causes Felicity to rethink her career path and blow an interview with Dr. McGrath. Also, Julie mails a tape to Carol and Elena severs ties with Tara. Todd Mulcahy Part 1 aired on February 16th, 1999, and Part 2 aired on February 23rd, 1999. Both were written and directed by J.J. Abrams. The first things, in fact, that he had ever directed. So That's crazy. That's Isn't it crazy that J.J. Abrams created Felicity? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It really is. Okay. I mean, I mean, the only thing that I could point to that makes me go that maybe it's not a complete... Is, um, oh my God, uh, forgetting... Is it Forgetting Henry or Regarding Henry? That uh, that movie he wrote at USC, I believe, um, that Harrison Ford was in with Annette Bening, Mike Nichols directed. I know. It's it. it's it's basically just about like this this like businessman who gets shot during a a, a holdup and the brain and, and and the bullet lodges in his brain and he becomes sort of childlike. I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, it's a sweet movie. Um, but again, like it's kind of high concepty, but not, and it's grounded and it's trying to kind of pull at heartstrings. It's the only thing prior to this that makes me think like maybe this guy could come up with Felicity, but like it's a, it's still a stretch. But, but I think what's interesting, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this is I don't know if you sense this, but I did watching these two episodes that, uh, that JJ was probably given a little bit more rope than most directors would for an episode of television. Um, and I say that specifically, there was a moment that really kind of hit me. And it's actually the moment right before it says directed by JJ Abrams, where there's this extreme close up of Sean mixing the batter of that like fucked up cereal thing that he's making. And it's, it's like a filmic shot. It's like this really extreme, interesting overhead shot of the, of the bowl or of the pot or whatever. And I thought in my head, yeah, a, a, a normal director wouldn't waste time on a shot like this. Like they wouldn't want, they, they would, it's not about leaving any sort of an aesthetic footprint when you are a gun for hire director on an episode of television. You know, you're just sort of, there's a visual language for the show. You hit your marks, you do your mediums, you do your wides, you do your close-ups, and you get the fuck out. Whereas that shot to me made me go like, there's someone who's trying to learn what their type of content will look like. There is a director who's trying to find his eye. Yeah, there was like a – it kind of was a one or two in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. That wide room. shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, oh, they haven't cut in a long time. Although this yeah. Was, this is pretty cool. It's it, it's stuff that makes you kind of go like, you know, if this wasn't the co-creator shooting this episode, they would, you know, yeah. would never have used half of the stuff – or not half, but a good chunk of the stuff that they used. Um, but it is it is interesting to your point too that Matt Reeves directs the pilot, which is – kind of insane when you think about it. I mean, Matt Reeves hadn't done anything. Neither of these guys had really done anything. And then Matt Reeves kind of, I don't want to say disappears, but kind of disappears for a little while and then does Cloverfield. And obviously now he's become, uh, you know, who he is, which is, which is really interesting. But so um, at first blush, what were your feelings about these two episodes? How did, you know, what did, what did you think about them? So the interesting thing is 
I remembered them. They weren't like, you know, iconic canon to me the way that like some other scenes in the show were. Mm -hmm. But I remembered Tom Mulcahy was the guy that had a crush on Felicity and got hit by a bus. Um, (laughs) And then when I went back and watched them again, I was really, really angry at Todd Mulcahy um, in a way that I don't remember being when I was younger. Uh, I think the episodes are very problematic in a lot of ways. Um, He's a fucking weirdo and crosses lines all over the place. He crosses a lot of lines. I mean, for twofold, right? Like he crosses a lot of lines. He doesn't respect her boundaries. He's the classic trope of the nice guy who's actually not nice at all. Uh, but the show <laughs> makes you like believe, wants you to believe that he's nice, which I feel like is maybe sometimes, I don't know if JJ had some sort of agenda with that. I don't know if people had agendas in 1999. No it feels like a different time. Yeah. Um, they were too rich to have agendas. <laughs> Maybe, you know, maybe they thought that this was the nice, maybe they were just rooting for the nice guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I probably was rooting for the nice guy too, but with hindsight and context and the way that we live now, it's uh, kind of, I don't want to say it's not inappropriate. It's like, it's um, the word escapes me. It's, it, it's damaging. Like not damaging, yeah. but like yeah, damaging yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah. Like, well, I see, actually, it's funny. I want to ask this because obviously, um, you are a girl. Uh, the the gender flip makes it scarier this way. Do you yes. know what I'm saying? Like when Felicity does it, it's funny and it's quote unquote crazy. But like, you're not worried for Ben's well being. Whereas this way around, Todd seems like a person who could perhaps be violent or terrible in some way. And I wonder if that was part of the part of the idea here was like to, to, to do the gender flip and to show a difference or, but it didn't, it, it stayed on the surface, right? It didn't yeah. get that, that deep into the gender politics other than like, isn't it funny that Felicity has a stalker? So if that was what it was trying to do, I don't necessarily think that it was successful, but I do yeah. think, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a false comparison because Felicity Yes, moved to New York. Yes, told Ben she loved her. Yes, read his read his his essay. So there was an an invasion of privacy, but there was never an invasion of personal space. Correct. Uh, so I don't know that they're generally necessarily. Plus, there's the same. also the the demand for the kiss constantly. It's strange. The thing that actually <laughs> the thing that made me the most annoyed mm-hmm. was that he says to her. I'm afraid you've lost a childlike sense of wonder as if it's Felicity's fault that she's rejecting him, which yeah. is like, it's, groom- it's grooming. It's just fucking grooming. Right. And it's just like, it's the kind of thing it's also, you know, separately, like I was a Ben girl. I was always a Ben girl. I was never a Noel girl. Ben was hot. He was sexy. He was, you know, unattainable. He was the guy that like you, you didn't think you could get and then you got him and you felt good about it. Like, Awful, 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 awful. Like, he is, like, so manipulative. And he's such a fuckboy when you watch it again. And so yeah. I think that it's, like, these things that maybe I I wasn't attuned to definitely when I was 16 or 17. But, like, sure. things that we should have been talking about, things we should have been attuned to. I don't know. It's like John Hughes movies. Like, you can't watch them anymore. But, um, 
well, yeah. not without not without turning a blind eye to some pretty terrible stuff. But yeah, and so culturally, yeah. it's a really interesting set of episodes because it feels like it lives in a time capsule. It well, the show lives in a time capsule for sure. Um, and these episodes in particular are interesting. So I'm curious as to your take on this because watching these episodes again, it really hit me that um, this is a massive turning point for the series. This is the moment, if you ask me, when the show actually figures out what it is um, and sort of puts the wind in the sails of Felicity's character for essentially the rest of the series. This moment of, of crises, if you will, or this moment of her questioning whether or not she wants to be a doctor and whether or not she actually wants to be an artist. Uh, this idea of whether she's living the life she wants to be living or the life that perhaps her parents or her father wants her to be living. Um, it's really interesting, I think, that the show kind of takes that moment um, of self-reflection and a little bit of deconstruction through the prism of the concept of the show, which is someone following someone else to go somewhere for a person that they think they love. Um, I think there's an element of deconstruction in that that I think is quite clever. Um, and and kind of shatters Felicity into pieces that they put together for the rest of the series, which I think is smart. That's actually a really nuanced reading. Cause my first reading was like, she, another guy affected her in a way. And it made me mad. Right. But I, right. I, your version of it is much smarter and nuanced and probably more well. in line with what they were trying to do. Perhaps. I'm also a man and men wrote this. So it's possible that there's that too. But I mean, I, I guess more than anything, this to, whenever I am coming up with a pitch or writing something that is in the coming of age genre, this is always my kind of Rosetta Stone, <laughs> this show, because I love that it's a, it's, it's conceit or it's, or, or that sort of the, in the DNA of the show is a character that thinks one thing and everything is turned upside down. And it's about them figuring out the path for themselves after that kind of moment of reckoning. And I would argue that the first half of the season, as much as I like it, and there are tremendous episodes in the first half of the season, it still feels like a show that's trying to figure itself out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm sure it's not a coincidence that these two episodes are written and directed by JJ that, that like, that they take a kind of really sort of granular look inside Felicity's character through the course of these two episodes. And, and on the other side of it are, are kind of just as confused as they were at the beginning of them, but that's okay. Like it's acknowledging the fact that Felicity doesn't know whether she wants to be an artist or a doctor, even by the end of these two episodes, but it shines a brighter light on that fact, which I think helps the character moving forward. I don't know if you agree or disagree. With that. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the struggle versus art. It, it, there's so many things it's it, that feel very grounded in resonance. Like, are you doing something for yourself or are you doing it for other people? Are you doing something that feels scary or are you doing something that feels safe? Like, right. I mean, those are great, you know, man versus himself conflicts for a series. And, and to the show's credit, it, kind of plays with the same thing over and over again for four seasons, but it never felt stale. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've said this on previous episodes, but I really think that so much of that is in sort of two things. The first is, is the love triangle, which 
somehow they found a way to milk for four years, which, you know, that's not easy, uh, as I'm sure you can attest to. And I also think that it's in the fact that Felicity is, is learning about herself over the course of the four years. I feel like more times than not, your central character or your, your, you know, that the character that, that the show is named after or whatever is generally the least interesting character more times than not. And yet somehow they find a way to make Felicity sweet and funny and, and shake her up in ways that are interesting. I would argue as well that the, the haircut heard around the world was maybe the best thing to happen to the show. Uh, it got people talking about the show. And yes, admittedly, its ratings took a hit, but they took some swings in that season. They did weird shit. You know, they did a fucking Twilight Zone episode. Was that, like, was that the mystery box? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It's great. And and like they they have her throw Ben away at the top of the season to say like, you kind of suck. Like, and, 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 and then he comes back with a film canister and it's on a film canister. It's a time machine. It is. It's a time machine, Celine. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a literal time machine at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I fucking forgot about the film canister. My God. Um, but again, like uh, that's, I love that scene so much because he came back great. to her. Why did he, yeah. uh, why did I care? Why did I, I think I, it was romantic? It was romantic. It was romantic. I don't think Ben's the worst. I just think he's dumb. <laughs> I was also watching in, in these two episodes when he gets the job at Gina DeLuca, he says two things. He says, I've never worked in food service before, but I think I'd be pretty good at it. Which I'm like, of course, of course you would say that. And also, he doesn't wear the hat. They tell him to wear the hat and he doesn't wear the hat. I'm like, are you too good? Why are you too good for the hat? Like, what is wrong with you? Just be a person. <laughs> Here's my question about the hat, though. Do we think Scott Speedman didn't want to wear the hat that and it became really a bit? That would be really funny. That would be really – I would 100% believe that. <laughs> he had good hair and he didn't want to wear the hat. Yep. That's probably what it was. And it just made Ben look like an idiot. It just it felt like the type of thing that an actor would be like, Do I have to wear the hat? And they're yeah. like, Oh, well that that that's going in the show. Yeah. Um really funny. So here's my question for you as well. Um Todd Mokehi, uh mentally unstable. Right. Like, like suffers. I mean, when his fiance shows up later, she hints at depression and, and, and some sort of, uh, sort of mental health issues, if you will. Um, so I, I can't really gauge what there's, if they're even having, if they're making a commentary on that, or if it's just like, we need to couch this in something so he doesn't look like a complete, you know, sociopath. It's interesting because, the, yeah, when you meet the fiance, you're like, oh, he clearly has a stable relationship with somebody who's normal and cares deeply about him enough to let him go off on this, like, weird rumspringa just to, like, <laughs> like <laughs> figure out That's what he wants thing. to do. Yeah. So he's capable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I wish I knew what they were trying to say with what who he was. Yeah, he's <sighs> truthfully, he's clearly just kind of a MacGuffin. Like he's mm -hmm. really just a thing that they needed to bring in that would uh, create the situation that they needed, and they weren't particularly interested in telling 
you know, of drawing Todd as a particularly three-dimensional character, which I'm fine with, quite honestly. But he but- skateboards. That was that was shocking. What was that? <laughs> that was the weird I mean, Jesus Christ, what a weird thing. That was that was the other thing where, where like Ben goes to his apartment to like stand up for Felicity, which in and of itself sort of weird, but very kind of alpha male Ben bullshit, and then opens the door and he's like, dude, dude, and you're like, what? They skateboarded together, but he didn't know his last name. And then Noel is like, I feel yeah. for the guy. I'm like, yeah. stop it. Everybody just stop it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the weirdest is when Ben's like, just kiss him. He seems like a good guy. And you're like, no, yeah, you're not. No. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah. No, I know. It just it, um, it felt like it just felt like a, everybody. We're all supposed to be cheerleaders for like the, the guy that like doesn't yeah. get the girl. Uh, which That's a good point. Which like, you know, when you yeah. flip it, like. I said, like, the thing that I, like, was, when I was young, the thing that was, drew me about Ben and Felicity was, like, Felicity was the nerdy girl that never got the guy, and then she gets the guy. So, like, I acknowledge that that paradigm is something that, like, I was interested in when it was, like, the girl who got the guy. But oh. there was just, I don't know. I, there's just something that, like, I, maybe because I'm a woman, I don't know. But, like, when you flip the genders, it's just, it's... It's, it's not as cool. Yeah. 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 It's also, it's also, um, and I don't mean to sort of belabor this point or underline it too much, but like the kiss component really makes it so much weirder for me. Yeah. It's, then it's a bunch of dudes being like, just give him what he wants. And you're like, okay, no. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, that component now. Like I would have just removed the kiss from it or, or made the kiss be sort of the thing at the very end of him. You know, then he pitches the kiss to her maybe at the very end. But the fact that he literally is like, I'm going to get that kiss. And she's like, yeah. it's like, like dude, what? it's just kind of getting rapey and like, yeah. it's not okay. Um, and all the people around her that are supposed to protect her are not protecting her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you know, her boyfriend. <laughs> Just, I don't know. It's um, weird. It's weird. So just, it's weird just to episode. rewind, to rewind to the to the top with Megan piercing her nose in the cold open. <laughs> I love Megan so much. Megan has aged like wine, as far as I'm concerned. Megan has become like my favorite character on the show. But uh, I love the the subtle runner of the infection of her nose because Todd touched her nose <laughs> while he was doing it, which I think is great because she's the only one. That, and it's because of the nose, but still that hates Todd. Yeah. Like she immediately is like, fuck Todd. He's gross. She's also a girl. So it's also possible that she's just like, you know, uh, I don't want to, you know, Todd just seems like a loser to her for lack of a better way of putting it. And I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, I like the cold open with, with Megan. Um, question for you. What are your thoughts on Richard? Richard, I mean, <laughs> I definitely knew people like that in college. <laughs> okay. okay. That one, he, I mean, he's broad. He's drawn very broadly, very, but like. Very broadly. I, there were those those people that were yeah, similar. Sure. That were like, you know, rule bending or like little annoying people on the floor that were always mm-hmm. like doing shit that annoyed you. Uh, and I, I feel like it's like. Richard is like such a perfect 
emblem of college of dorm life of like the the people that are totally. annoying to you that you have to figure out a way to live with because you can't avoid them and you can't ignore them. <laughs> I think he's a perfect foil for Noel as well. Like it's a great sort of dynamic that it pulls out of Noel because it gets Scott Foley to be funny and he is quite funny and to make Noel seem silly. And that's great. Um, I'll say this, the satellite dish, very funny. Very the funny. hand models perhaps cross the line. A little weird. A little weird. So yeah, uh, I thought that was a little weird. Um, I, I appreciated and continue to appreciate Sean as a character. I think he's, um, I, I like what Greg, Greg Grunberg brings to the show. Um, I think that apartment's absurd. It's nuts. Uh, it's, it's like the friend's it's, apartment. It's a, it's a ridiculous apartment. Um, what are your feelings on the Ben and Julie relationship? Do you have thoughts on that relationship? I liked it. It felt in this episode or just in general, in general, I thought it felt real. Okay. Um, it's the only thing about Julie that works. If you ask me, (laughs) I think every other storyline she has in the series doesn't work. Um, I was trying to remember because I, Mm -hmm. Carol is her mother, right? And Carol says that she lied. Is that what happened? Yeah. That's what happens. She yeah. weirdly lies to her and then says, so I lied. You're like, yeah. why, why did like, we do this stutter step? But I'm also like, Carol, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's weird. like so rude. Um, <laughs> it is rude. I think I liked Julie and Ben because it felt real. And it, it was nice to have them exist on the same plane as Felicity and for Felicity to have the emotional maturity to – have a crush on a guy, make a friend, realize that the two of them were together. Julie's response initially is very, you know, empathetic. Um, And then Felicity ultimately is able to let go, move on with Noel and let them exist in her world together and not be weird about it. And so for that reason, Julie and Ben is a nice relationship for the show, I think. I I fully agree with that. I think that, I also think that Scott Speedman and Amy Jo Johnson have a nice chemistry. I think that mm-hmm. they feel nice together. Um, so I, I do think that that's, and I, I don't mean to sound disparaging to, to Julie's storylines. I just felt like they always felt a little easy to me. Uh, I also need to, need to, um, correct myself that this is not the first two-parter. There is a two-parter in the first half of the season with Julie's, uh, rape storyline, which is right. drawing the line part one and drawing the line part two. Um, Brian Krakow. With Brian Krakow. Yeah, not great. Not a great look. Um, but I, I just feel like Julie's storylines always feel a little bit like trying to be edgier. Like she's the edgy friend, but like they're not really. So I, that for, either way. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is I didn't really love the look on Ben at the top of the episode where he's scolding her for uh, trying to get the internship at her mom's company which I thought was a little weird and not a great look for Ben's character, but I mean, there's whatever, what, what Ben has no good looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like Ben, Ben's dad cutting him off. I think it's a smart thing. Gives obviously some good juice for future storylines. Uh, like when he gets into gambling and starts getting beaten up by bookies, uh, just great. Um, Alana or Elena's boyfriend Blair sucks. I mean, he just fucking sucks. I don't even know. He also seems like 15 years older than everybody else. 
like I did the math. I looked up their ages and she's only six years older than Felicity um, yeah. in real life. She seems- for some reason, she seems so much more mature. Yeah, I think part of it is, I mean, I don't even, I don't think it's actually an age thing. I think she just carries herself in a very mature fashion. Um, probably because also these episodes, she's like very focused on the, yeah, the class and the test and that she doesn't have any time to be distracted mm-hmm. by cheating boyfriends with girls' names or just like anybody else that, and also teeing up that way. she wants to fuck her teacher. That too. Which we will get to because I have thoughts about that and I would love to hear your thoughts. But um, Javier's the best. It's a shame that he he leaves in the next episode for the remainder of the season and then comes back at the top of season two. And my guess is that Ian Gomez must have had a pilot or another show and that show either went away or whatever it is and he came back to Felicity. But I love him so much. He creates such... I, I'm convinced that like 80% of his dialogue is improvised because he's constantly making the actors break and it's great. And I love that energy that he brings to it. Um, okay. So here we are at the scene where Elena and Felicity are having a conversation with one of McGrath's old students. And Elena's like, and he has that whole sexy thing. And Felicity, of course, is silent. <laughs> but the, uh, the old student kind of goes like, yeah, he does. And I'm just like, is Chris Sarandon hot, Celine? Uh, he has like he has like an attitude, you know. Uh huh. I guess uh-huh. I don't know. I would not if I was in college. I, he would very squarely be an old to me. Yeah, I thought it was a little weird for the whole like, oh, he's super hot thing. He also will always be Humperdinck from The Princess Bride to me. <laughs> So I'm just like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I liked the little license plate with Felicity's name on it. I thought it was a cute thing that Todd brings that to her because her name's never on the license plates. Sure. Um, as we mentioned, I love the scene where Felicity talks to Ben about the whole stalker thing. I also love Sean chiming in. And he says, how's it going? And Ben says, uh, not so good. Felicity's got a stalker. And Sean says, got or is? <laughs> But here's the thing, like, I love that they can rib her about it. I love that it's like, you know, for Felicity, it feels like a character quirk because you know inherently that she is a good person and there's no, there's no danger. Yeah, no, I agree. And she's, I mean, yeah, the truth is that even in the pilot, you're like, this girl's not dangerous. She just wears her heart on her sleeve. But anyway, uh, uh, we talked about all of this. Um, I adore Javier and Ben's relationship. I loved the, the interview for it when he says, how's this going? And Javier pretends as though it's not going well. He goes, I'm kidding. You know, I love you. <laughs> I love that. He's always like, does this make me look, f-? I mean, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, yeah, I know it's a little broad. It's like yeah. a little bit of a stereotype, but like, he's so a charming. little bit of a, a Latin gay person. <laughs> But he's so charming. No, I know. He's wonderful, but I don't think you'd get away with that today. No. Oh, the 90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that Todd's speech to Felicity about defying expectations, where she finally goes to dinner with him after him berating her and sending her like this giant package of, of like a Felicity Malamars. time capsule. Love Did love yeah. An that. orange crush. And yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. And he finally gets her to come to this dinner and he basically says to her, you know, are you living the life that you want to be living? And this obviously hits home for her. Um, 
nobody backs into the street the way that Todd does because that's how you get hit by a fucking car. <laughs> uh, do you laugh like I laugh every time he gets hit by a car? <laughs> yes. I remember watching. I remember watching this episode with one of my best friends and him screaming, "What the fuck!" After he got hit by a car, because it's just by a bus. First of all, he wouldn't survive getting hit by a bus. By by the way, but that's whatever. But it's but, also like so. This, I mean, sad story. But a friend of mine, uh, his ex girlfriend was uh, bike riding, uh, and she got hit by a car, and she oh ended up like injuries but it was fine um and those it was a hit and run and there was a angle from a camera because it was like a street corner in brooklyn uh from a local store that they got the footage to to try to figure out what the what the car was and like it's horrifying when you watch it but it feels real and it's like there is a way to have somebody get hit by a moving vehicle and have it feel raw and real and scary and hitting getting at, like backing into the street and getting hit by a bus in that way is just comical and it's strange because <laughs> there's ways to do yeah. it i've seen there's, the footage I, I also have to say too that um i think it's the first time in this show and and it would happen in subsequent seasons obviously but it was the first time where i actually felt the jj abramsness of it the guy loves a cliffhanger the guy loves to like do something that you just unexpected um and within the the universe of felicity this is kind of the craziest thing he could do i guess but like you know it's it's a good cliffhanger to a to a two-parter he walks into the and there's a nice shot sort of this low angle zoom on felicia she realizes what's about to happen um and Carrie, God bless her, does the best she can with her reaction. But you just, it, it's an absurd thing. Um, so he, Todd gets hit by a bus. And, and the top of, of part two, obviously, is, uh, him being wheeled into the, into the ER. Uh, and he's been carrying around a note that Felicity wrote when she was 12. Dude, come on. That's crazy. And then it's like it's like covered in blood, and then she's <laughs> reading it, and she's like, "Oh, my heartwarming childhood, where I wanted to be an artist." And I'm like, "This is covered in blood." It's so morbid and weird. Um, <laughs> so uh, then, at the top of the episode, we have um, Felicity actually starting to—I don't want to say embrace Todd, but embrace the headspace that Todd has of her. So like starting to ruminate on his perception of her a little bit. So she watches Dead Poet Society, which he sent her and she's crying. Great movie. Um, <laughs> but I, I did like the fact that it's not about her falling in love with him. It's about her falling back in love with the version of her that she was with him when she was younger, if mm. that makes sense. Because, I mean, even I, we'll talk about why them kissing I have issues with that, but, but I just like that notion that this isn't really about Felicity falling in love with this guy. Like she, you know, Noel and Ben, no one should be threatened by Todd, but that she feels like this version of herself is threatened by Todd. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think McGrath's office looks like a set from Ally McBeal. I mean, at a certain point, all of these shows <laughs> all look the same. And it's so funny because I remember like, feeling like Felicity felt like New York. Yeah. 
And then yes. being like, oh, it was shot in LA. <laughs> yeah. And now like with hindsight, when I look back, I'm like, there's not a lot of depth. It's all interiors. Like, of course this was shot on the soundstage. This just looks like every other ABC studio yep. show from the 90s. Like, yep. come on. Why Except they it? got to go to New York for like a day every season so they could shoot yeah. some exteriors. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's very much a fantasy idealized version of New York. Like a 30 year old looking back on what it was like when they were in college from Los Angeles. <laughs> like it definitely has that vibe to it. Um, I love the scene of, of Javier asking Ben if he looks fat and Ben actually saying that he does. <laughs> it's like Ben. Ugh, he's so stupid. But at least he's consistent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, also, t- wait, we'll maybe yeah. get to this, but Taraji yeah. B. Henson in the art studio. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. And Simon Rex. Simon what are Rex. your thoughts on Simon Rex? Uh, so 90s. I mean, I loved that she lost her virginity to Simon Rex. I thought that that was, that was a very brilliant plot move you're the second girl so right. from this podcast series that has said that by the way it is i i'm starting to feel like as a guy i hated simon rex because he just obviously was a very hot guy who gets in the between felicity and noel but i i have to admit like he's he's an attractive guy he's not a great actor but he's he's an attractive guy it's also just i don't know he's just so 90s it's, it's oh like, yeah yeah Oh, totally, totally. Um, so now we have that scene uh, that you were referring to earlier, which I love, which is the ca- the whole cast looking at Todd through the window into his hotel, uh, hotel <laughs> his hospital room. Um, and it's it's a wide that stays really wide for a while. Like it doesn't punch in until my guess is the, the WB forced him to. But uh, <laughs> But it's really funny. And it's basically them all talking about like, Basically, I think what's great about the scene is it it takes down the stakes of it and the scariness of it a little bit by keeping Mm -hmm. it a little bit lighter. Otherwise, I think like this guy's potentially dying. (laughs) Like it's 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 a little bit like they're trying to find, but it is what it is. Um, I like Noel's story about getting thrown the baseball, his brother, and Ben being like your your brother had a good arm. I just enjoyed it. there's so now also we get something, I don't know, this is just like the way we live now, like coronavirus, like there's something, there was just yeah. something so deeply unsettling about watching somebody being wheeled mm-hmm. into a hospital that the, the gallows humor was so necessary and such a relief in a way that I like, agree more. I, I mean, I'm sure they had it in there for that reason, but like now it's just like, thank, thank God it was there. Yeah, I mean, seeing someone get intubated right now is really upsetting. Yeah, I was like um, almost so, watching through like close like yeah. fingers. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. Um, now we get to uh, Felicity going to the art studio, seeing Simon Rex for the first time. This is the first time she goes into the art studio, uh, which will be a standing set, sort of in kind of perpetuity for the rest of the series. But um, and Simon is, I guess, uh, probably a sophomore or. a junior i don't know he's older than her and she can't get into any of the classes because obviously it's too late in the semester but she's considering becoming a doctor uh she has her interview with mcgrath where she basically says to him i think i want to be an artist and he's like nice meeting you like i don't know why the fuck you're telling me this uh so she goes to the studio and has a scene where he says you know there aren't any classes you can do but you can come to the studio whatever you want uh you can use my supplies like he's 
being pretty gross. <laughs> but anyway. Um, He's an artist. He's just sharing her passion. Sure. Sure. Uh, so something you've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed uh, in, in our current landscape is that music cues are all fucked up because no one wants to pay for the original music of any of these television shows. <laughs> so you now have seen a Felicity drawing that I imagine would have been far less earnest and treacly with its previous <laughs> music cue, uh, but now feels a little bit just not great. I don't know how you felt about it, but. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> it didn't bump me. Okay, okay. Okay. I guess I just, all the music is like pretty, like it's just uniformly bland in a way. Well, sure. Because they're, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's over my head. I don't know. I guess, I guess my point was more that if we had the original music. Yeah. What was the original song? Do you know? I I can't speak to that. I'm not sure. But I think that more than anything, the nostalgia of why you and I keep going back to Felicity and how it feels like comfort food yeah. If you had your 1999 music cues in there, it just, the whole thing would have just probably. If you had your more. like uh, Heather Nova or something. Yeah. Or like, I mean, the, the Felicity was for, you know, was, was known for having pretty good music supervision. So you had like, you know, Sarah McLaughlin or Ivy or Cowden Crows or whoever it was at the time that they felt like putting into the show, you know. So it's my point more that is that it's it dials that stuff down and creates a situation like you're talking about, which it becomes more flat and uniform because mm-hmm. you don't know any of the music. Um, Trush P. Hadson shows up in the studio. Super weird. Um, uh, I really, really, really love the scene between Noel and Felicity where she says, I can't always come running to you wide eyed looking for advice. There are things you can't help me with. Like, again, Another reason why this show is great is that a scene like that exists. So many shows just wouldn't go there. Wouldn't want to kind of throw a wrench into their relationship, even though in about two episodes, Simon Rex is going to become a very big wrench in their relationship. <laughs> but um, I just, I really appreciated this, this you know female lead standing up for herself and saying like, I got to fucking figure this out on my own. Like stop trying to save me. Like I'm not interested in it. I thought that was kind of great. I don't know. How it's you also, it's coming off of him being like, man, why didn't you answer my, my phone? I was looking for you all day. Like, and she just, yeah, puts him in his place. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's, it's that stuff that, yeah, go ahead. But it's interesting because it's like, 
in the same episode, they're not the same, but it's like, you know, Noel is like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And she's like, because I've got stuff to do for myself. And Todd Mulcahy is like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And she's like, I'm not sure why I'm not paying attention to you, you know, in in a way. Like, I, I think that she like grow like Todd kind of like grows on. I don't quite have like the, the A to B to it of it, but it's like men coming to Felicity, like asking her to like validate them. Yep. And she has like, you know, different responses for different men, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I think it shows as uh, there's also a gradation to it. Like each of these characters, I think, like aesthetically, if you put these three guys next to each other, like admittedly, Scott Speedman and Scott Foley are obviously more, you know, they're more matinee attractive than Todd Mulcahy is. But like there is a component aesthetically to this show that is uniform, and yet they're finding ways to etch out character and making it feel three dimensional that a lot of shows wouldn't take the time to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why I think the show's special in a lot of ways is because they're willing to take that time. And you can see it in the pilot and on the commentary of the pilot, Matt Reeves and JJ Abrams talk about how, you know, at the time they kind of got made fun of for having like lots of pregnant pauses where people kind of like sitting and stewing in moments. And I think that that's kind of what makes it special. You know, today it's like, you got to just kind of get through shit and that's a bummer. So I appreciate that about this show. Yeah, I mean the whole sequence in the pilot where the the yearbook it's it's long and there's like that yeah. that wide of her like yeah. like pacing around bending her ankle and just yeah. like it's so and you feel the awkwardness and yeah I agree I mean watching I mean every show that I'm on when you see your episode cut down to 42 minutes like my my notes are always like can't we just put some air back into this? Like yep. people are so choppy now and it's sad. It's I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I felt like, especially on the shows that I've been on, uh, there's moments where I feel like the note is always, there's too much air in this. And I always want to be like, but you need to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> like you need, you need it. It's important, but you need um, beats like you need, cause, yeah. other, cause otherwise you run the risk of, and I see this now when I watch shows that feel like, you know, Edward Scissorhands got a hold of it. Like the scene feels like it's servicing a plot and yeah. its function is to service a plot point and not to tell you anything enlightened or to shed any sort of like nuance on anyone. It doesn't care about that. It just cares about getting you from, you know, the beginning to the end in 42 fleet minutes. And that's what is sad. And that's why shows like Felicity are special. Yeah. Especially, I mean, to, to, to underline your point, it's, it really is a broadcast problem. You don't see it as much in cable and streaming, but it's still prevalent there to a certain degree, but it's just this idea that these characters are there to service a story and to, and to service a plot is problematic. Like this idea that, that, the reason people come back every week, I think, and I'm sure you agree, is character. It's yes. because they love these people and they want to see them evolve and change and learn things and grow. And unfortunately, it feels like uh, that's not how the network sees it. The network yeah. is about like eyeballs and the network is this like plot, plot, plot. And that just sucks. But so here we are at uh, Felicity and Todd's Kiss. Um, I. Uh, 
I don't really love it. Um, I, I, I find it kind of gross and weird, but I do kind of love that it sends him into cardiac arrest. There is something kind of hilarious about that. Um, there are these broad, broad moments in this episode or these two episodes, which are like yeah. Yeah. just so funny. Yeah. Super weird. I mean, I, I do really like, um, and, and I'll, I'll hold off on this. I'll get to it in a second, but, um, Todd's fiance appears out of nowhere. She just manifests as a way to get out of this storyline, basically, because they're just like, we got to get Todd out of here somehow. So he has a fiance who appears out of nowhere and basically explains to Felicity in a classic Felicity scene that, uh, Todd told her that he had feelings for Felicity and that, um, she let him come to New York to chase Felicity because if, if they were meant to be together, that's the way that it has to be. And Felicity is like, okay. And then Rebecca says, do you love my Todd? My Todd. (laughs) My Todd. And Felicity says, no. (laughs) Um, The reason I say classic Felicity is because this scene shouldn't work. Like this scene just shouldn't work. It's, it's absurd. Uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy scene filled with people doing crazy things. Uh, and yet somehow it kind of works because of the earnestness, because of Carrie Russell, who is a tremendous actress. Uh, and somehow it falls into, it somehow is, it just works. Um, to, and also to speak to Carrie Russell's, tremendous acting ability the moment where rebecca is talking to the doctor about todd's recovery or perhaps lack thereof and felicity is on the other side of the door looking at her rebecca gives a thumbs up saying that todd's going to be okay and the reaction that carrie russell gives is just like why she's the best it's so heartwarming right like it's just it's filled with like happiness and 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 it's just it's so complex she's just able to carry so much in in a wordless reaction it's it's really special um and it's like for this guy that was annoying to her you know like she's come full circle like she's she has empathy yeah she's and part of it is because she knows he has a fiance and he's getting the fucking a dodge but that's but that's sort of beside the point i guess but what's also funny about when she says do you love my Todd and Felicity says no. Like Rebecca is like, it's just so it's an interesting scene. Some, some people work for some people and some people don't work for other people. And like, it leaves it at that, you know, there's no like Rebecca being like, well, like, why don't you like Todd? Is Todd not good enough for you? Like he's going to, you know, like you could like, you could see how it could spiral out pretty quickly to get some like false drama or stakes or something. Mm -hmm. But it just is that it's just like, nope, no. And she's like happy. And then that's it. It's I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think there's something very, um, uh, kind of blunt about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't try to squeeze a bunch of juice out of, I agree with you that if this was a, you know, if, if this was a, perhaps a CW show today, (laughs) they might try to find more soapy drama out of it, as opposed to this show, which tries to find genuine character moments. Yeah. Like the fiance shows up basically for that scene and then to deliver the news that he's okay. Yep. 
And that's all she, that's, you have her and you used her twice and. No. Yes. That's not to say that in a couple episodes, Jennifer Garner won't show up to fuck up everything, (laughs) but, but, uh, and, and God bless her for it. But, uh, I, I I do think it's very interesting. Um, so what I want to say earlier that I love is that the show finds a way to have Todd's recovery and the accident and the whole hospital thing reignite Felicity's desire to be a doctor. Um, and it, 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 it creates that push and pull of these two sort of diverging paths that Felicity is, is struggling with and will continue to struggle with through the rest of the series. But at, you know, at first blush, there was a part of me weirdly that just never fully made the connection as to why Todd needed to get hit by a bus. Like it wasn't like he needed to get hit by a bus because she needed to be put into a hospital and she needed to see a doctor give good news and save somebody's life and what that means. Um, so I, 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 I like that as, as on the nose as it might very well be, I think it's done pretty gracefully. And I like that she then has the confidence and maybe the, the naivete to go back to the not hot, hot professor and be like, I want to change my mind. Like I saw, I witnessed something and I saw something and I want to change my mind. And he's just like, who are you? <laughs> she's she's yeah. like, you know, her, her true North is honesty. Totally. I, I mean, I love that scene too, where she's like, being a doctor is about people and he's like thank you uh do you have anything else (laughs) so insightful you're piercing insight felicity porter but she's Um, 18 and she's working through things and like that's why you No, i know it's it's great i i I mean that's the the show also has the character that is like you know yeah you're not that nuanced you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like it, it 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 plays both sides, which is why I think the groundedness works. Because I think if you're too grounded, then you know everything is is rainbows and sunshine, and it starts to feel like a world that nobody lives in. But like you can have the groundedness with the you know punches of realism, uh, and it yeah I don't know it 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 makes it all feel like a re- more real world. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the the show lives and dies by the fact that Felicity gets out of bed every week, gets kicked in the teeth, and then somehow is ready to do it all over again the next day. I mean, that's 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 life, right? That's what we do every day. And I think that seeing her, you know, be this energizer bunny of of earnestness is I I find it lovely personally. But mm-hmm. um, but but to your point, like this idea of this central character being at odds with herself is not necessarily something that you see that often, certainly within the genre of coming of age, where, I mean, I think my so-called life certainly did that to a certain degree, but that's a younger character not dealing so much with a career path as it is sort of figuring out themselves through adolescence. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, this is part partially why, and I'm sure you've, you've had this, um, you know, in your career, but there are so few college shows that are made. Um, you know, high school shows people love because it's firsts, it's first loves, it's first kisses, it's first all that stuff. College is just a messy fucking crazy time when like it feels important, but is it important? And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, 
as much as everyone loves their college experience, weirdly, college shows don't generally get made. Well, because when college is over, college is over. And so nobody ever wants to say like, oh, this show has a finite ending. But Felicity was like, no, it's on for four years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I watched all four years. I was on board. Yeah. yeah. You didn't yeah, lose same. me. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it, it is, it's very interesting. The college experience is, uh, is a, is a weird one, um, to kind of really pinpoint, um, seismic changes or seismic things. And I don't know. Maybe that's why it doesn't work, but I've pitched college shows before. I don't know if you have. They never sell. I, I just, no, they never know. sell because people are, people are afraid of the finiteness. I think if you're, if you're a buyer, you're like, where does the show have, the show is over when they graduate. Like, why would I buy something finite? But then you have a show like Felicity and it's like the finiteness is what works about the show because you, you're not going to try to juice it for more than it is. Like it's about a girl figuring out who she is within the call, the college context and the people she meets along the way. And then she goes off and lives her life and who knows what happens to her. She could travel through time, maybe. Yeah, she, she could be with Ronald. She could be with Ben. She could be a doctor. She could be, you know, we don't know, you know? And I yeah. think that that's yeah. what works about yeah. the show and works about college and is like, I feel like maybe now in the marketplace, there could be, you know, everything is short now. So, like, maybe there's some flexibility to do something like this again. But, like, the idea that you're just frozen in time is what makes the show the show, but I see how that makes it unattractive to a buyer. Totally. I mean, the show that I, you know, that I'm working on right now, um, the the pilot that I'm working on right now is uh, it's about the last year of high school. It's about the year in between uh, high school and college. And then it's about the first probably couple years of college. And then it kind of, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that it's a fractured timeline. We're jumping around in time. We're showing sort of there's an expanse to it. But if we'd gone into this pitch saying it's a high school show or it's a college show, to your point, I think it would have been too binary. And I think it would have been, it, it perhaps might not have sold. I mean, but, um, so just to, just to, to wrap up this, uh, this episode, I, I think that Amy Jo Johnson and Jane Kaczmarek kind of look like they could be mother and daughter. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. And so that's when Carol is like, you're not my daughter. And Julie kind of like looks at her because I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm your daughter, Carol. I, I kind of see myself in you. <laughs> and also we both play the guitar. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't really get the stutter step at all. I don't really, I mean, I guess it's just, it, it was just a way to buy themselves another episode, but it, it's sort of, it's like when she eventually tells Julie that she is her mom it's so weird. And, she, yeah. and I, if I'm not mistaken, there's like a line of dialogue of her being like, I don't know why I lied to you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you did either. It's super weird. But anyway. Um, so then at the very end, we have Todd, uh, getting put uh, in a wheelchair in the, in the van. By the way, and- his fiance is in that van and he is still being creepy. That's when I was like, you have not learned your lesson. I don't understand. And I kind of wanted Maggie Lawson to leave. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't, I, I really can't, uh, I can't really explain it, but I will say that it did give me one of my favorite moments and it did make me laugh when he was like, you know, I think that kiss was pretty damn good. And she's like, you need to go now. <laughs> like, 
it, it there, he hasn't learned a fucking thing clearly. Like, I mean, obviously this guy's going to, you know, he's going to have a flame for, for Felicity forever, but I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a funny, a funny line reading from Felicity and, and from Carrie Russell, who is really funny and does not get enough credit for how funny she is. She's a miracle. She's, she is a miracle. Uh, she's, she's wonderful. I love her to death. Um, so here's a question. Uh, Dina DeLuca, did you ever go to Dina DeLuca? Uh, you lived on the East Coast. So. Yeah, we did in the city, but like, I grew up outside of Manhattan, uh, which is also why right. Felicity, like, you know, brings me back. Like, I used to sure, take sure. the subway down and hang out, like, Astor Place and think I was cool in high school. Um, sure. We would go in and be like, oh, this is where Felicity worked. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why we would go. It was, I like, think a it was like, like high end. for them. It was like a little bit of like a Jones on third place. And yeah, so, it was expensive. Yeah, we had no disposable income when we were kids. It was like Starbucks was like a luxury. Like we were drinking sure. Dunkin' Donuts. And so Gina DeLuca was like the magical place where Felicity worked that we would like it's, walk oh, in. We it's never so funny. Bought anything there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty sure they're out of business now. Not just because of Corona. I think it was before that. But anyway, uh, it's just, it is interesting because it's the only association I have with that store, with that chain. Um, I, I, I don't know how I don't else know how marketing, it. like the branding behind it, like did Dina DeLuca come to Felicity? Like did, like did Warner Brothers go to Dina DeLuca? Like, cause that's, I mean, have, right? it's a lasting partnership. It's the whole series, right? Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's also weird to, I mean, I can only assume that Dean and DeLuca paid money for it. I mean, they must have, they had to have because it was free advertising. Um, it made the show feel perhaps more lived in. Like yeah. It's a real thing. Um, I'm sure you, like myself, fake coffee shops just annoy me. Um, you know, I, I, whatever soundstage that coffee shop that Carrie Bradshaw and Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha go to with this weird menu that has like a fork on it. You're like, what is this? This doesn't feel like a real place. So I appreciate that Dean and DeLuca uh, is a real thing. But um, yeah, I don't think I actually you know what I do think I once had a muffin there. <laughs> but that's like, I honestly don't think. I, but um, I also appreciate so, that the fourth yeah. lady had a job. Yes. It worked. <laughs> and she wasn't like, you know, like I had to get a job in school. Like I worked at the bookstore. Like, there was some, there's something very, again, grounded and real about showing what it's like to, I mean, in a world where the dorms are big and, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that like, you know, yeah. looks like a TV show, but I'm just like the simple fact of a freshman having to work and then yep. Ben having to work and people having to work, I think mm -hmm. was like really nice to see. It, I, I was I was literally just going to say one of my favorite scenes in the episode is when um, Ben goes to Sean to say I need you to float me for a couple months and Sean's like I don't think you get it <laughs> like I have mortgage payments yeah. I'm not just like pocketing this cash that you're that you're giving me every month um, which I think is interesting like again this this comes back to sort of perhaps why college shows don't generally work because in your twenties um, there's responsibilities, but like, they're not sexy responsibilities. <laughs> they're sort of like, I got to pay my rent on time or I, I, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, but I like that about this show. I like that Sean is sending out letters about revolutionizing breakfast. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate when he eventually gets into the whole documentary thing, which feels like a weird nod to eventually to, um, 
Cloverfield. But it's, it's just, yeah, I just, I appreciate the fact that the show took swings and took weird swings within its own little sandbox. And I think that that's the JJ Abrams component, you know, that I think is that sort of hard to kind of really zone in on. And I'm sure you as maybe our listeners know that, you know, alias comes out of Felicity in the sense that season two of Felicity, they had no fucking stories. And he was like, can't we just make her a spy? And thus you have Sydney uh, Bristow, but cause that first episode of, of alias feels like a fucking episode of Felicity, except she's a spy. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of stuff there that I think is really interesting. You can see this being sort of the, the Petri dish for so many things that, that, uh, JJ and Matt Reeves would, would move on to. But so do you have any, uh, any final thoughts, any favorite episodes outside of this one that you remember? You, you said you watched the, the season one finale as well. Did yeah. That, I mean, uh, did that work for you too? Yeah, my loan out is almost Kiss Moment Productions. <laughs> and yeah, I, no, you're- <laughs> I hadn't seen I hadn't seen it in a while. I mean, the whole uh, first scene where they're in Dean and DeLuca, and she's talking to herself about or to Sally about the almost kiss. Um, yeah, I don't know. I almost kiss productions is amazing. Almost kiss moment. I mean, but also separately from that, I think that, you know, like I was trying to find something that like, I'd like to write about relationships and I like the anticipation and I like a lot of things, but that kind of encapsulated the whole thing. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, one of the best season finales, I think. And I, I appreciate the fact that even though Felicity in a weird way, Felicity never quite knew who she was or she was struggling to figure out like who she wanted to be, but she always knew who she was. And she always kind of like had a faith in herself that I think is really nice and is really grounded again without being treacly, like, and without feeling fake and without feeling like, I think in a, in a way, a lot of stuff that comes out now about young women feels like prescriptive feminism um, and feels like you're living in, you're, you're living in and responding to a world that you imagine for yourself. That's very empowering. And Felicity lived in a regular world and found ways to empower herself. And I think that that's what makes, again, what makes the show special and what makes it feel like something to keep going back to and what makes her a really important character in the canon of, uh, like, teen, WB, 90s era, whatever, characters. I think it makes her still an important character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that I, I um, you know, she's she's still one of my favorite female characters, one of my favorite characters, period. It has nothing to do with her gender. She's just, I, I just... I really find her journey uh, comforting. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know how else to say it. And I, and I think that, uh, so do you feel like you're now firmly in team Noel or do you think that it's, that it's still, you struggle now between both of them? You just wouldn't choose either. Um, I like Noel's earnestness. I think that it probably would have pushed me away, um, but I am definitely, definitely not uh, on team Ben anymore. So okay, so just I want to I want to just unpack this for a second. Also, You're when, saying, he, when he got Amy Smart pregnant, or no, 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 no not Amy Smart pregnant. No, he got the woman from AA pregnant, Lisa Edelstein, didn't he? In season four, 
Bented, bent. Yeah, bent, bent. Yes, yes, yes. Bent. Like, ugh, there were so many things. There were so many times I was mad at him. Remember when when Ben's dad kissed Felicity? <laughs> and do you remember who the dad was? No, it was John Ritter. It was John Ritter. <laughs> it was oh, gross and weird, That's but um. So I just want to. I just yeah, I just wanted to to unpack this for a second. You're saying that uh, if you were Felicity you would have chased Ben is what you're saying at the time. Like at the your time. Eight, yes. Yeah. Your, your, your 18, 17, 18 year old self would have yes. absolutely chased Ben. Yes. And I then Noel would have guys. just seemed too much. Yes. Noel was like, Oh, you're just, an, you're not as interesting to me because you're a nice guy who's showing up at my door and telling me that you like me. <laughs> cool. 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 I don't, that, none, of this, know, to me, I, none I, of this, none of this speaks to like my current situation. <laughs> also like 37 year old me now completely has reversed it and okay, as a great. as an emotionally aware ad- adult understands how <laughs> wrong that was okay 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 cool <laughs> i no, do don't think go as- dating 18 year olds <laughs> that was not my plan just uh, just to make that abundantly clear to our listeners uh, but i i do think that um do you think that there's something to the fact that i'm sure you know about the whole casting situation that Originally, Scott Foley was supposed to be playing Ben, and then they didn't have a, a Noel. And then they saw Scott Speedman's tape three days before shooting, and they cast him as Ben, and they asked Scott Foley to play Noel. Three and the reason I say that shooting. is Jesus. because <laughs> I wish you guys could see Celine's eyes right now. I just got like a panic attack. I don't even work on show. Can you imagine being three days before production and not having one of your leads? Can I tell you, I worked on yeah. a, a pilot. I was a, a the EP's assistant. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, it was it was a series regular, but it wasn't like a load bearing. It was a series regular. It wasn't the lead, mm-hmm. but sure. um, he was cast. They did before the table read. They did. read they did an audition with the network president and everybody who was like already in the room for the table read and everybody was just like jesus christ we hope this works and it worked (laughs) and they gave the guy the job and then like 30 minutes later he was at the table read reading the role it was crazy that's crazy it was crazy yeah i mean i i uh I've, I think they had, they had a situation on Fringe. They started shooting before they had uh, Joshua Jackson. Wow. They had to, they had to reboard it, and they were I mean crazy. But but the 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 question that I was going to ask you is I think that part of the reason that the love triangle works ultimately is that Noel is not cast like Ducky. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like he's cast with this athletic, b- attractive, built guy who. You know, obviously, uh, portrays Noel very sweetly and, and dorky and kind of whatever, but the aesthetics create a balance. He's My not, guess he's is, not Todd Mulcahy, which is ex- exactly right. Like that's, that's who they would have cast as Noel, mm-hmm. like someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually fate helped them build a, a love triangle that actually could last is, mm-hmm. is what I think. But, um, be yeah, I, I don't to see Scott Foley as, Scott Foley as, as Ben. ben. It would have been, I mean, it just would have been a different Ben. Well, it would have been a different Noel. And no, but I'm saying like his, his reading of. Oh yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It just would have been different. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Scott Speedman would never have got to date Carrie Russell in real life. 
super weird. <laughs> Why is it that actors can't just pretend that they're in love? <laughs> Why do they actually have to fall in love? They're just in weird ecosystems where there's nobody else to talk to and sure, it's alone. Sure. And they're kissing all the time and on camera. they're all the time. Yeah. And yeah. they probably think things are real when they are and I don't know. <laughs> Just- yeah, but I think it's, I, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, Felicity being one of the, more, I mean, then Jennifer Garner and Scott Foley get married. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. That show was a, yeah. But, um, but I do think that that, that the casting of all of that really plays a big part in why this love triangle holds as, as strongly as it does. Um, and I also just want to say too, like, I think that Scott Speedman is very good playing this role. Yes. I don't, you know, I think, I think he understands how to play a golden retriever, (laughs) like how to play sort of this like sweet, loyal guy who is just not that complex. Not that. I I think also he understands or is able to portray the easy privilege of that kind of guy, Mm -hmm. um, which makes, which makes everything like he's got a golden touch. And so that's also part of the magnet that draws you to him. Like why you want to be around him. Mm-hmm. Like even if he has a strained relationship with his father and the gambling and all that stuff, like it, it's like down the, down the line, they start to messy him up and unravel him. But in the beginning, you're like, I get it. I, I totally agree with that. And it actually, you saying that makes me think about how this is a show of very privileged people. You know, we don't, we don't really get a sense that any of them had struggles to get where they are. You know, that the world has been sort of, um, kind of put on a silver platter for them a little bit. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that Ben's dad cuts him off and creates him having to get a job that Felicity's dad isn't going to pay her way. So she has to get a job. Like I, I appreciate that there's that component to the show because I think otherwise, uh, I just don't know that I would have the same amount of, that I would care about them as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that I think things feel easy for them. Even Noel being an RA, like yes, the function of him in the show is to be the RA so that he meets Felicity's or the but all right, but like RA was not a sexy thing necessarily in college. It was it was work. It was more work yeah. that you were doing. And so like, yeah, yeah they're all they're all real people. You feel like a camp counselor is what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I was never as an RA. RA. I had no idea I had no interest. No? Maybe. Were you yeah. an RA? No. I didn't want to be an RA. <laughs> I wish you were an RA, Celine. No, I wanted I wanted my own I didn't want they put you where they needed you in the do- in dorms. Okay. Like I wanted to like live with my friends. I didn't want to like have to like tell kids not to have alcohol in their rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hide alcohol in my room. No, I didn't. I, I get I, it. Was, I get it. I was actually I more felicity than anybody. Really? Else. I was pretty nerdy. Yeah. Okay. What did you really study? English. Okay. That was an English okay. major. Um, but yeah, I didn't so really you, party. I didn't really. Do you think that Felicity was your favorite WB show? I mean, I don't know if you're a Gilmore Girls fan. I don't know if you were a I was a Gilmore Charmed Girls fan. I was Gilmore, but not to the extent. Charmed again, like the witchy thing. Like I just, there was something about when I was younger, like anything that had like a supernatural component, I just kind of like didn't respond to which is weird because when i was super young i loved the x-files i don't i don't really know how or why i like lost that interest but i did um yeah felicity 
I just think, I don't know why Felicity just felt the most real to me or like the most, like I could draw, I could draw the lines between myself and Felicity in a way that like, you know, Dawson's I watched religiously, but I never could. And Gilmore Girls was obviously like a very heightened world of a grounded world. I, I also to 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 just quickly come back to the to the finale. Um, what are your thoughts on like the cliffhanger at the end of season one? Oh, the cat! It's great, so great. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, who did she get in the car with? Also, I will say, my so called life. I was also a big my so called life fan. That hit. Oh, like, yeah. That hit at like the exact right time for me too. I was like in seventh grade. And wearing a lot of flannel and listening to a lot of like grunge rock. I have this horrible feeling. Jordan Catalano. Jordan Catalano is is Ben. Fucking Ben. (laughs) Felicity is is Angela Chase. She is an older version of that. Yeah, but I will will say like I rewatched. I had led like the flu a couple years ago, and I rewatched all of my so called life. And I remember when I was a kid thinking the parent stuff was like boring and then rewatching it like years later, like the episodes where she like has comes to terms with like her mother and like how good her mother actually is. And especially Uh in, you know, the Rayanne stuff, I was like way more appreciative of the fact that they were telling like rounded family shows than I was when I was watching it when I was 12. I I feel the same way. I feel like a lot of shows that would have the, the parent storylines, uh, as a kid, I would obviously kind of tune it out, but in hindsight, I look back on that and I say like, that's how you create a show that a family can sit down to watch, yeah. you know, where the storylines will speak to everyone in that room, as opposed to something that's myopic or just very focused on one specific demographic. Um, you know, I, I think that, and obviously wasn't a kid when this was on, but one of the best parent storylines is Friday Night Lights, you know, what, what they do with, you know with the Taylors is just, is, is magnificent. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it's just good stuff. And, and, and they never went to those like tropey places with them of cheating or of, of wandering eyes or any of that stuff. It's just, she says, it's my time. You had your time and it's my time now. And I'm like, yes, it's the best. It's, so it's, the, best. it's the best show. It's the best. I need to rewatch that show. Um, well, you. thank you so much for being on this, Celine. This is uh, your, your first podcast with us. It's my first podcast. I wish the TV was the way it was. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Just I, I will say this though. I do think, um, I think that, that you're, that the WB type shows, I do think they're coming back. I think they're going to come back on streaming. I think that your HBO maxes and, uh, perhaps even your Apple TVs or, or your Netflixes, I'm starting to sense that they know that that demo is watching streaming mm-hmm. and they want to make shows that speak to that demo again. I mean, I know that in particular, you know, the show I'm developing uh, right now is for HBO Max and, and it does feel like they're trying to perhaps rekindle a little bit of that WB that they had back in the day. It's not to say that the CW doesn't do it. It's just like, I mean, with the cavalcade of DC shows and, Riverdale-esque shows and all that. There's just I mean, not a lot do, of real estate, we, it feels like, for them to do that stuff as much. do it. I mean, Nancy Drew has a lot of heart, and there's a lot of really, really beautiful storytelling. Um, but, it, you know, it's couched in the supernatural. Totally. And that's how you Trojan horse your stories about relationships, which is fine. 
and it works, but it's, you know, I don't right. like the, the straight drama, uh, without the, ele- the other elements. Uh, I don't know. And I, I will go back and say, I say that I want to go back to the WB. Um, but that's not to say that I don't appreciate like how like more skillful TV looks now. Like when you watch those old shows and the four, the three by four ratio, and it's just like, even with the, the shots that JJ takes directorially, it's feels of a time. And then, you know, you watch Westworld and you're like, Oh, this is all the same medium. And so like, I don't, I, I love the character stuff, but I do appreciate how far the medium has come in terms of skill and just every department, like the way that things look now, just, taking chances and spending more money and doing riskier things. Um, I appreciate that about TV. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. I, I think that sorry, oh, sorry. I looked up um, the episode on IMDb and the cinematographer was nominated for like a, an ACE award or whatever, like for part two. And I watched part two and I'm like, it's a good episode. <laughs> But like, you know, Game of Thrones is nominated for cinematography episodes now, you know? So even that was like, I was like, wow, this was, this was the bar. Not to take anything away from anybody doing any work because, you know, everything is hard and beautiful to make. But like, it just was kind of surprising to me. Um, but well, it's, it's interesting that you say that too, because at that point you have to think to yourselves, they're spending far less money per episode on television back then. Mm-hmm. And they are making so much more money, yeah. right? So like th- the headspace I imagine back then was we're making money hand over fist here. Like why spend more money on these television shows? And then HBO comes around and blows everybody out of the water. And all of a sudden they're like, oh fuck. Well, now everyone is expecting this level of production, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we are where we are because of it. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think the television has grown in leaps and bounds on a production level since then. But when I think about the staggering sums of money that television was making back in the day, you know, up to like basically 99 for lack of a better way of putting it. It's madness. Yeah. I remember someone told me that on, I think it was ER or the West Wing. I'm not sure. It was a John Welsh show one way or another. They would have like lobster lunches, like for crew, for everyone. Like the, the money that was pouring in is just, I mean, we'll never see that again. But, but I also think on the flip side, what we live in right now Television gets to be so much more specific. Mm-hmm. Television gets to like really hit people where they live and to make shows for, for that feel like they're for a person or for a specific million people. And that's so special. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think we should, you know, uh, you know, you and I have obviously worked in broadcast and when you're working in broadcast, you're trying to speak to as many people as is humanly possible. And that doesn't necessarily lead to the best writing. Um, universality is not necessarily the best thing for television or for any medium, but anyway, um, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. (laughs) Oh, I just saw your husband and baby, baby, baby just woke up. She, she napped this entire time. She knew that's, I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel very lucky. Um, will you, will you come back on when we're, when, you know, when God willing, we can all see each other again and you can come on for a movie or something like that. Oh my God. Yes. This is so fun. Thank it's you like, so it's much kind of like being on. in a writer's room. 
But it is right. You're not trying to like bang your head against the wall to like yeah, break or break story to break story. You're just talking about the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's great. I yeah. love it. Uh, well, Thank we're gonna you. do we're gonna do many other other television shows and and other things down the road, and um, we'd love to have you back. Oh my god, I love it. I'm a, I'm here whenever you want me to be. Okay. Thank you so much, Sleep. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh my god, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.